What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the exposit story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Help! Help! I mean, he could hear his brothers up there eating and merrily drinking, and they've totally forgotten about him down in this well. Hey, hey, brothers, help! Pull me out of here! Quit joking around! Help me! I might have hurt myself! Please! Help me! I need your help! He'd been yelling for a while now, and... None of his brothers had responded and began to look around at the bottom of this well. He probably thought to himself, have they forgotten me? Do they not like me? Do they not care about me? And began to realize how dark it was down here. He doesn't know what else is down here at the bottom of this well. And it's hot and it's dusty and it's dark. I think as Joseph began to look around and began to realize, my brothers don't care at all about me. They've thrown me down this well. They want nothing to do with me. And I think as Joseph began to realize that he's been absolutely abandoned by his brothers, I wonder if Joseph began to cry. He was scared. What was going to happen now? See, now, it shouldn't have been this way. Here he was at the bottom of this well, but two years earlier, he was, I want to say two. We're not exactly certain the time frame, but probably two years earlier, Joseph was on top of the world. He was 17, and he was the second youngest of 12 brothers whose dad's name was Jacob. And Jacob, their dad, was an influential man in the Middle East. He was a very influential man. Later on, God would say to Jacob, Hey, you know what? I want you to turn your name to Israel. And Jacob then became Israel. And Israel, as we know it today, is a country, right? Well, Israel was founded by those 12 brothers. So like today we have the 50 states that make up the United States. Well, Israel was made up of the 12 tribes of Israel. And those 12 tribes were based on those 12 brothers. So Jacob and his 12 sons, they were important. And Jacob was an influential, rich, wealthy man in the ancient Near East. And Joseph was proud to be part of this family. Now, remember, I said there were 12 brothers. Now, Joseph was the second youngest. Now, again, he's proud to be part of this family. But I want to tell you, this family, as much as God has blessed him, and as much influence as Jacob has, this is one messed up family. Let me tell you a little about his brothers. The oldest brother, remember there's 12 of them. The oldest brother, his name is Reuben. 
He is emotional as all get out. Jacob would later call him as unstable as water. Jacob had four wives. Later on, Reuben had an affair with one of Jacob's wives. That was not his mom, but one of his other wives. Reuben had an affair with her. He was unstable. He was devious. Some people believe by messing around with one of his father's wives, he was trying to take control of the family. He was hungry for power. And he would attack his own dad in this way. Reuben, the oldest, he was messed up. Then you had Simeon was number two and Levi was number three. These guys... They were two hotheads. Earlier there in Genesis, this other tribe messed around with one of Jacob's daughters named Dinah. There was a man in that tribe who did some bad things to Dinah. But later on, he said, hey, I want to marry Dinah. And Jacob said, well, I don't know. But Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, oh, man, they were mad. There's no way they were going to let him marry her. And so they tricked him into thinking they could marry her. And Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, don't mess with this guy. Leave him alone. We're going to work this out. Don't you do it. Well, Simeon and Levi, they didn't care about what their dad told them. And they one day rose up and they killed that man. And they also attacked the whole tribe and killed them as well. And they respected and took care of their sister Dinah's honor. But they went against their dad's wishes and they did it in a moment of rage and they did everything wrong. So you got Reuben who's messed up emotionally, tried to usurp the authority of the family. You got Simeon and Levi who are just hothead, angry people. And then the fourth son you have is Judah. Now, I want you to remember this guy's name because later on in the story of Joseph, Judah is going to play an important part. But now, when we meet Judah, he is not what God wants him to be. As we look at him through the story, it's going to be interesting to see how Judah changes. But for now, when we meet him, Judah is mean. Judah is hard, and Judah is hateful. And that was the top four. Remember, there's 12 brothers. Well, the other brothers we don't know a lot about, but the other brothers that were there, that were part of that 12, they were named Issachar, Zebulun, Dan, Naphtali, Asher, my favorite name, Gad, and then finally the bottom two. We have Joseph, And then the littlest of them all, Benjamin. Now, again, this sounds like, hey, this is a great family and everything's wonderful. But they're not. Like I said, Reuben messed around with one of Jacob's wives. And that was problem number one, is that Jacob had four wives. Remember, you're only supposed to have, according to the Old Testament law, you should have one wife. Well, Jacob had four. His first wife's name was Leah. His second wife's name was Rachel. And then the last two were Bilhah and Zilpah. Well, again... Should a man have four wives? No, you should not have four wives. Well, Jacob, he broke God's law and he had four wives. But you know what? 
he only really loved one of them. And that was the second wife. He only really loved Rachel. And all the other wives knew that Jacob's heart was truly towards Rachel. And Leah in particular knew that. And she tried all the time to try to get Jacob's love. I mean, Leah bore him seven of the 12 children. I mean, Leah should have been number one. In fact, when he married Leah, he should have stopped right there. But his heart was truly torn towards Rachel. And he worked for Leah's dad for seven years and then married Rachel. And Rachel, for most of their married life, was barren and wasn't able to have kids. And here Leah's popping kids out left and right. Well, on top of that, Jacob made it known to all the other wives, I like you, but I truly love Rachel. And that caused huge problems in the family. So you got this favoritism at the top, and then you got the boys trying to mess around and saying, hey, you know what? I want to take control of the family. And then you've got them nearly starting wars with other countries. I mean, this is a messed up family. I mean, this family could go on. Jerry Springer or Dr. Phil, I mean, they'd be the number one family hitting talk shows. Hey, this is one messed up family in the middle of it all. He's born a special boy, and his name was Joseph. You know the cool thing about Joseph, and one of the things I want you to remember, is that even in the middle of this messed up family, Joseph chooses to do right. Consistently through this story, you're going to see that Joseph chooses to do right. And I want to encourage you, if you think, God can't use me, you can't believe the family that I've ended up with. We are messed up people. You know, maybe you're in a situation where your parents split up and you have to spend some time with one parent and then you spend another time with another parent. Or maybe, again, your dad, you know, maybe has passed away. Maybe you're an adult, but you don't know what it's like to be a good father. You've never had that example. You know, and you sit there thinking, God can't use me. I, I, I don't even know sometimes what's right from wrong. I've never had a good example given to me. God can't use me. My family's too messed up. Have you met my mom? Have you met her? I mean, that's the way you may feel. But I want to encourage you. When you look at the story of Joseph, we can look at that and say, listen, if God can use Joseph from that messed up of a family... God can use anybody. And one of the ways that God used Joseph was, man, we find Joseph to be a person of character who consistently does what is right, no matter the circumstances around him. And I really want you to hang on to that idea. Don't let circumstances dictate what you do. Instead, it should be the word of God and what you understand scripture to mean and how it's changing your life. And it should be the promises of God and the Holy Spirit working in your life. That is who you are. And that defines you, not your family. Well, we find the story of Joseph in Genesis chapter 37. We meet Joseph, who's 17, and one of the first ways we see him doing what's right it's told right here. He's out tending the flock with his brothers, sons of Bilhah and Zilpah. 
And it seems like the other two brothers did something that was wrong. Joseph watched what they were doing. Maybe they were herding the sheep or, 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 or somehow um, um, causing them pain and suffering. It, it wasn't something like Joseph didn't like what they did. And so he just ran and told dad, hey, my two brothers are messing around. It's not like that. I think what they were doing was damaging to the flock or costing the family money. I mean, it was serious stuff. It might have been life-threatening. It was bad enough that Joseph, it says he went to his father Jacob and told of his two brothers. And it says he gave a bad report, which is essentially saying, Dad, my two brothers were doing wrong. And it's maybe hurting your flock or costing you money or maybe they were stealing something. But dad, I got to tell you, it isn't right. Man, when the brothers heard that, oh, they got mad. And in Genesis 37, three times you see the word hate, hate, hate. Well, the brothers began to hate Joseph right here, you little tattletale. You little snitch is probably what they told him. But you know what? Again, what I say, Joseph did what was right. Well, remember I said three times the brothers talk about how much they hate Joseph. Well, another reason they hate Joseph is because Joseph was Jacob's favorite. And everybody knew it. And they hated Joseph for that. It's not Joseph's fault, but Joseph was his favorite. And it was obvious to all that Joseph was his favorite. Because it says there that Jacob gave Joseph a coat of many colors. Now, we're not exactly certain what that phrase means, many colors. It could literally be a coat that had various colors in it. And it was beautiful. Or some people think it could have been translated a coat of long sleeves with great embroidery on it. One day, Jacob, in front of the whole family, whips out this beautiful coat and says, Hey, brothers, gather around. And maybe all the brothers gather around. And they all looked. And Jacob said, Joseph, come here. And he puts this beautiful coat on Joseph. And maybe Joseph was a little embarrassed. Because this, this would be literally like, you know, you wake up Christmas morning. And you run down to get your presents and your dad says, all right, here are your gifts. Son number one, six pairs of underwear. Yay! Son number two, here, I'm going to give you eight pairs of socks. Yay! Son number three, who I really love, here is an Xbox One. And I'm also going to give you a Nintendo Switch. Oh, and also here's a new bike. And also, I'm going to throw in some cash, $500. Now, if you were the other brothers who got the underwear and the socks, would you be like, hey, this is awesome, great, no. You'd be like, this isn't fair. Well, it was literally the same way. I mean, this coat would have been expensive, would have made him stand out in front of his brother's and it says that in Genesis 37, in verse 4, that when the brothers saw that their father loved him more than the rest of them, 
They hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. They wanted nothing to do with him. Again, this isn't Joseph's fault. This is their dad showing favoritism in front of all the brothers. Why he did this, we don't really know. It says that Joseph was the son of his old age. And some people think, you know what that means is that Joseph was the son of Rachel. And Rachel was the wife that Jacob truly loved of all his wives. And finally, Rachel was able to give birth and the first baby born was Joseph. And some people think that's why Jacob loved Joseph more than the rest. Well, either way, it was bad news for Joseph because, again, second time around, the brothers hate him. And I wonder if Joseph maybe didn't wear that coat much, but the dad was like, hey, put on your coat of many colors. Dad, I don't want to wear it. My brother's starting to make fun of me. No, wear it. Come on, you got I I paid a lot of money for that. And so he wore it, or maybe he wore it proudly. I don't know. But one night, you know, I can imagine Joseph takes off his coat of many colors and goes to sleep. Then Joseph snuggles down into his bed, falls asleep. Then he begins to dream. But this isn't just a dream. This is a different dream, and Joseph knows it. Is this God talking to me, Joseph's thinking? Because back then, God would often, and even today, God has shown up in people's dreams and told them what to do when they can't have scripture. There's stories right now of people in other countries where they're not allowed to have the Bible that God comes and speaks to them through dreams. Well, here in Genesis 37, God shows up to Joseph in a dream. But it's an odd dream. And Joseph begins to dream about a field full of wheat, you know, and and. And they're chopping down the wheat, maybe with a sickle, and they're getting all the stalks of wheat together into bushels, or what Genesis 37 calls a sheaf of wheat. They would cut all the wheat down, take all those stalks, and put them in a sheaf and tie them together, sort of make them stand up so somebody else coming along could grab them and throw them into the cart. So they made these different sheaves of wheat. Well, in Joseph's dream, all of a sudden, one of the sheaves of wheat stood up and stood up higher than the others. And then the other sheaves of wheat all circled around this one sheaf of wheat and bowed down to him. And Joseph was like, you know what? <laughs> this is an amazing dream. This is interesting. And basically, Joseph understood what this dream meant. This dream meant that he was that center sheaf. And that one day the other sheaves are going to gather around him. His brothers are going to gather around him and bow down to him. So I can imagine Joseph gets up and he's like, man, I got to tell my brothers about this great story. This is an exciting story. And so he runs downstairs and maybe they're all sitting around eating breakfast. And Joseph sits down and pulls out his favorite cereal, Golden Grahams, and adds some milk. And he's about to eat. And he's like, hey, guys, listen. Hey, listen, Gad, stop eating your toast. You know, Reuben, Reuben, put down your oatmeal. I've got to tell you something. And they're like, oh, good grief. What is a Joseph? Again, they hate him. Well, Joseph's like, hey, listen. And he tells him about this dream. 
and how they're all going to bow down to him one day. It says in Genesis 37, the brothers go, are you implying that you're going to reign over us? Are you saying that you're going to rule over us? And it says they hated him even more for the dream. And I think Joseph, again, God is telling him this. He feels an obligation to tell the rest of the family. And maybe he's thinking positively, look what God's going to do with our family. This Maybe it isn't from a sense of pride or I'm so wonderful. No, I, I just want to tell you what God's telling me. But man, the brothers couldn't be happy for their brother at all. And they hated him even more for it. Maybe Joseph eating his golden grams. Oh, oh man, I thought they'd react differently and gets done, starts to do the work for the day. And that night, goes back to sleep. And he begins to dream about the sun, the moon, and the stars. And they were all bowing down to him. The sun, the moon, and it says 11 stars were all bowing down to Joseph. And again, Joseph knew this was from God. And so he gets up the next day. I can imagine he runs down, he's eating breakfast, and he pulls out his bowl of golden grams. And this time he has a little bit of toast with grape jelly. And he starts to eat breakfast. But this time, Dad's there. Oh, Jacob's probably reading the newspaper, enjoying the morning with his sons. And he's like, hey, Dad, Dad, maybe Joseph felt like he could tell his dream again because he knew his brothers hated the first one. But maybe they'd like this one. And he tells him the story. Dad, I had this dream and I believe it's from God and the sun, the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. Oh, no, the brothers think not again. Again, and the brothers are starting to get mad and maybe they're starting to throw their spoons at him. And Jacob, he's like, hey, Joseph, come on, seriously? What is this dream you've dreamed? Are you implying that I'm going to bow down to you? Are you implying your mother and your brothers? Indeed, we all come down and bow down to the ground before you? Come on, Joseph. Finish your bowl of cereal and get out of here. It says that Jacob rebuked him, told him off. But you know what else it says? It says that Jacob kept that saying in his mind. He knew, wow. God came and talked to me in a dream. Now God's coming and talking to my son Joseph in a dream? Could this be real? Could this just be the pizza we ate last night? I don't know. But this might be real stuff here. The brothers didn't care. They were just even more jealous of him and hated him even more. But Joseph, Jacob, it says, kept that saying in his heart. Well, like I said, the brothers hated Joseph. Now there were 12 brothers and I think only 10 hated Joseph. The 11th brother, his name is Benjamin. He was younger than Joseph. 
and he was Joseph's little brother. And I think Benjamin loved Joseph. I think he was too young to really catch on what was happening. But we know for sure the ten older brothers than Joseph, they hated him. They couldn't stand him. Now, we're not exactly certain the time frame here between verse 11 and verse 12 in Genesis 37. Could have happened right away. Could have been a year or so. All we know is at some point, Joseph and Benjamin are home alone with Jacob because the other 10 brothers have been sent out with the flock to graze them all the way over in a town called Shechem. And maybe they were supposed to sell some of the flock. I'm not certain. But where Jacob and his family are living right now is about 50 miles away from Shechem. And maybe the brothers were supposed to come back. We're not exactly certain. Or, or maybe Jacob just thought to himself, you know, I don't know if I truly trust my sons. I know what Reuben tried to do with one of my wives. And man, Simeon and Levi, they're an angry bunch. And Judah, uh, I don't know if I trust them. Or, or maybe they were supposed to come back and they were late. Something prompted Jacob to turn to the only son he could trust, Joseph. And he said, hey, Joseph, I want you to go to Shechem and to find your brothers who are pasturing the flock and just check on them. I want you to bring me back a report. You know, bring me word. How are they doing? All right, says Joseph. So Joseph heads out. And what's interesting it seems like Joseph heads out by himself. It doesn't talk about him being with a servant or him being with some other people who worked for Jacob. He definitely didn't take Benjamin. Joseph was completely by himself. And he heads out 50 miles to go to Shechem. And it looks like he might have been walking. And if you walk, people think it would take you five days to walk 50 miles. It would take Joseph five days to get to Shechem. So I can imagine Joseph heads out. And what's really interesting to me is Jacob trusts Joseph. He sends this guy out all by himself to find his brothers and then to come back and give him a report. And so Joseph heads out. Five-day walk. He gets to Shechem and he can't find his brothers. He looks to the left, looks to the right, wanders around the town of Shechem, asks people, hey, have you seen the sons of Jacob? Oh, no, no, I haven't seen them. But he keeps looking and he keeps looking. It says in verse 15, finally, a man finds Joseph wandering in the field. And the man asks him, who are you seeking? And Joseph's like, well, I'm looking for my brothers. That's really interesting. If I had to walk 50 miles on a five-day journey, and if I got to Shechem, hey, I can't find my brothers. All right, well, I got to go back and tell dad, and I'd head right back home. Man, that's a long walk to not find your brothers. Well, Joseph... He's the opposite. Again, he does what's right no matter what. When he gets to Shechem, hey, I can't find my brothers. He doesn't give up. He keeps searching. He keeps searching to the point where it says he's found wandering in the fields looking for. I mean, he works hard. Joseph does what is right. And I want to ask you guys, what do you like when nobody's around? 
I mean, nobody was there to supervise Joseph. Nobody was there to supervise him in that five-day hike. Nobody was there watching him. But Joseph still chose to do what was right. I want to ask you, are, are you the same person? You know, they say the greatest test of character is what you do when nobody's looking. Greatest test of character is what you do when you're by yourself. And you can do anything you want. Can your parents leave you at home on the internet trusting, hey, you know what? Wherever he goes, I can put my trust in him. Frankie, Susan, John, whatever. You're going to do what's right. I I can trust you. I can trust you with the TV remote. You're going to do what's right. You're going to choose right. Or your boss at work, hey, I'm going to send you out all by yourself, and you've got a budget, and you've got money, but I can trust that employee because he does what is right, even when nobody's watching him. Are you that type of person? Are you more like Joseph's brothers, whose dad, Jacob, is a little worried? He doesn't trust them at all. But Joseph, he trusts. Well, the man finds Joseph, and Joseph says, Hey, have you heard of my brothers? Do you know where they're at? They're supposed to be pasturing their flock. And this man knows something. He says, Yeah, I heard them say... Let's go to Dothan. That's what they said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe there wasn't enough grass here. Or maybe, again, they had other plans. I don't know. But let's go to Dothan. Oh, okay. Again, if it was me, I would have said, all right, they're at Dothan. And headed back and told Dad. But not Joseph. His job was to find his brothers, to check on them. And he was going to do that. Well, guess what? Dothan is another 15 miles by foot away from Shechem. Joseph heads out. He's going to do what's right. He starts heading towards Dothan. And maybe, you know, it takes him a day or two to go, a day to go, maybe 10 miles. The next morning, he's getting near, and oh, there he is! You know, maybe near the noonday, he sees his brothers. There they are. There's Reuben. There's Issachar. Yes, there's Gad. All right, this is awesome. Hey, guys! And he's wearing his fancy coat. And he's excited. Yes, I found him. I'm going to go in and check on him and see how things are going. Well, in verse 18 of Genesis 37, it switches to the brothers. And the brothers, they're tending the flock. And again, I wonder if they weren't doing some bad things on the side. That's why they went as far away as they could. But they look up, and it says they see Joseph coming from afar. And their faces drop. And the anger starts to swell inside of them. It's that dreamer. Here comes that dreamer again. I mean, that's what they called him. They didn't call him their brother. They called him the dreamer. Again, they saw that fancy coat he was wearing, and he's waving, and Joseph does what is right in there. Judah looks at Simeon, and Simeon looks at Levi. I hate that dreamer. Let's get him. Let's do something. I can't stand him. So they begin to think, hmm, what should we do? What should we do? And I imagine Judah comes up with the idea because he seems to be sort of a leader of the brothers. And he says, let's kill him. 
and then let's take his coat and dip it in some blood and then we'll act like a fierce animal killed him and then we'll take it back and and then you know what (laughs) what will become of his dreams then it says if he's dead we're not gonna be bowing down to him let's kill him yes and gad's like yes kill joseph kill joseph and judah's like all right calm down gad i know you're excited but calm down calm down we'll get him i promise you we will kill him so maybe they all start to lay low in the field waiting for joseph to come but reuben he's the oldest right reuben he hears this he hears that they're wanting to kill joseph and he says hey guys come here and they all come over no 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 let's not kill him let's not take his life let, 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 let's not shed any blood. Can you imagine what's going to happen to us in God's eyes is probably what he's thinking. He doesn't want to shed the Joseph's blood. That's a bad idea. No, let's, let's throw him. Let's throw him. And he looks around. Let's, let's, oh, look that, that well. Let's throw him into that well, that pit, that cistern. Let's throw him in there and leave him for dead but but let's not kill him and he probably tries to sell him this idea that if we kill him Yahweh might get mad and instead let's throw him down this pit and the brother's like you know what that's a good idea we're still gonna abandon him he's still gonna be left behind yeah I like that idea let's you're right we probably shouldn't kill him but let's throw him down this pit and maybe an animal will kill him yeah all right and they high five each other but Reuben he's got a plan Because it says in verse 22, he comes up with this plan that he might rescue him out of their hand to restore him to his father. The idea is that Reuben and I came up with this idea of throwing him down this pit. And maybe that night as they slept, he would come and rescue his brother Joseph. And then in the middle of the night, he'd ride back and, and present Joseph to his dad and say, Hey, look, dad, please don't hold that thing where I messed around with your wife. Please don't hold that thing against me. And maybe by doing this, Reuben can get back in the good graces of Jacob. And so he's got this whole ulterior motive. But the one good thing is he talked them into not killing Joseph. So maybe they're crouching, waiting in the bushes. Joseph's like, I know I saw him. And then all of a sudden one pops up. Hey, Oh, there's Gad. Oh, there's Judah. Hey, and they start coming towards him. Hey, guys, and he starts to back up and bump. He bumps into Reuben, and they're all mad. And I can imagine they beat him up, and they get in some hits to the face, and they punch him in the stomach. And it says they stripped him of the robe of many colors that he wore, and they took him, and they threw him down into the pit. Here he is in the pit. And you know, he's wondering, why did my brothers hate me like this? And when they threw him down the pit where Joseph is suffering, you know what the brothers did? Verse 25, they sat down to eat. They're eating food and enjoying their food. Now, for some reason, at this point, Reuben leaves. Maybe he goes into Dothan, the town, to get some provisions for his trip when he rescues Joseph. Maybe he's got to set up some plan there. But for some reason, he disappears, is gone. Because as they're eating, and I can imagine it's towards the evening, they all of a sudden look up. Oh, 
they see this camel train winding their way towards them. Judah sees them and he says, whoa, that was a caravan coming towards them full of merchants from Midian. He calls them Ishmaelites, and then later on he calls them Midianites. These were tradesmen who had stuff and collected stuff and sold stuff. They were merchants. And Judah looked at them. He probably looked over at the pit. And he thought to himself, we can make some money out of this. We don't just have to feel good about killing them or getting rid of them. We can make some money out of this. And he looks around. He's got to convince Reuben. Well, Reuben's not even here. So he gathers his brothers around. Judah does and says, hey, listen, why don't we make some money out of this? It says, what profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? You know, come, let's make money off of these Midianites. Let's sell him into slavery to these merchants. Let's make some money and we get rid of our brother brothers are like wow i like this idea let's do that so as they came they stuck their hand down and joseph probably said yes finally my brothers have gotten some sense and he grabs him and they pull joseph out of the pit and he's like hey guys that wasn't that funny of a of a prank but i get it and then all of a sudden joseph looks up it's those merchants and he looks at his brother, Judah, over there. And the merchant is giving him one shekel, two shekel, three shekels, giving him coins of the day. They sold Joseph into slavery for 20 shekels of silver. The going rate of a male slave. I can imagine they pushed Joseph towards him. They tied Joseph's hands probably to a rope, and then they tied the rope to the back of a camel, and off they went south, down into Egypt, pulling Joseph behind him. I wonder if Joseph looked back and his brothers, ha, they're happily waving, goodbye, we're going to spread this money around, this is going to be great, goodbye. Joseph is pulled away from his family, away from everything he knows. He's heading south into Egypt. What's going to happen to him there? Well, if you join us next week, we're going to learn more about what happens to Joseph. But you know what? The one thing I want you to remember today is that Joseph does what is right. No matter what family he was born into, no matter what messed up situation he was in, Joseph chose to do right. And I pray that if you know the Lord is your Savior, if you call yourself a Christian, if you call yourself a disciple of Christ, that today in following Jesus, you'll be that person that when they look at you, they say, you know what? John, Dr. K, he chooses to do what is right no matter what. Steve in school, I'm looking forward to having him in my class next year. Why? Because I've heard he does what is right. The new boss shows up and he hears of all the employees. Donna, she does what's right. 
She makes right decisions. She's a person, a character. That's who Joseph is. But you know what? The neat thing about it is Joseph does what is right. But behind it all, there's a God that's moving. And I think that's the other cool thing about the story. In Genesis, when we meet the story of Joseph, we begin to see God working behind the scenes. Do you think it was just luck that Reuben said, hey, let's not kill him? Do you think it was just random chance that he was sold into slavery? No. Beginning in Genesis 37, we begin to see God working behind the scenes. As Romans 8.28 says, All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. All things work together for good. And we see that in the story of Joseph. And we see a God working on behalf of his child. And man, we've got some exciting adventures ahead. So join us next week as we learn more about the amazing story of Joseph and the amazing God that we serve. Baldhead Bible Podcast is created by Dr. John Katzian. Music composed and performed by Elijah Katzian. Edited by Lincoln Katzian. If you would like to listen to more of Baldhead Bible Podcast, please subscribe. New episodes added every week.